This was prophesied and how it was fulfilled uh, right down to the, you know, as, as you all know, and as we will look at it this morning, look at it through scriptures this morning. But not only did he come at the time he was supposed to, that the Lord intended for him to come, he came to the place and the city and everything, just like the Lord had prophesied through his prophets that he would come. And so as we think about where we are today, uh, let's look first at where uh, the Bible tells us uh, he has been, and let us let us help to let that shape us and think. It's been 2,000 years since he was been here, but guess what? From the time of the very first prophecy, the fact that the Lord was going to come into this old world and was going to uh, uh, take on Satan, it was 4,000 years from that time until about the time that he came and was born in Israel. We turn over into the, uh, into the book of uh, Genesis. And we find there, those of you that are very familiar with all of this, uh, are more than aware of the fact that Satan had deceived uh, Eve uh, in the garden and, uh, and also that Adam had transgressed the law. And now God is addressing the whole crew. You know, I, th I think about uh, sometimes uh, those of you that are parents, you know, and sometimes you have to get your kids together. Uh, or maybe you've been one of the kids that had to be gotten together. Uh, and, you know, mom and dad kind of come in the house and they line everybody up and kind of, okay, Here's how it is. Uh, well, so I want you to I want you to get that picture this morning. Uh, Eve has Eve has uh, disobeyed God. She's been deceived by Satan. Uh, Adam has transgressed the law. They've gone and tried to hide all this stuff, uh, you know. And it's not like Satan wasn't involved in all this as well. And uh, God gets them over, uh, uh, you know, over near the garden somewhere, and He lines them all up and lays down the rules to them. So here's how it's going to be. I just want to make sure y'all understand what's going on. And the Lord said unto the woman, verse 13 of Genesis chapter 3, some 6,000 years ago for us now, uh, more or less, uh, not giving the exact time because I don't have the exact time, but, uh, you know, more or less 6,000 years ago. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is it this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, <coughs> and I did eat. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and the Lord said unto her, the serpent, uh, said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Very first prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ occurs in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. Tells us that he's going to come, uh, that he's going to bruise the head of the, uh, the old serpent, uh, and it also prophesies and tells us here some little, a little key detail that sometimes maybe some folks overlook, that he, this person that's going to come and bruise the head of the serpent and is going to have his heel bruised uh, uh, is the seed of the woman. All throughout Scripture and all throughout generations today, uh, uh, the descendants of various families are, are described as being the seed of the man. Uh, and so forth. Uh, that's how biologically it works, and that's how Bible the Bible describes that descendants are the descendants of the men, uh, and not descendants of the of the females of the family. Uh, uh, but the Bible tells us here that this one is going to be 
the seed of the woman. Uh, very particular little line laid in there and echoed to us again a little later that we'll look at uh, uh, in the book of Isaiah uh, where it talks about that there's going to be a virgin that's going to have a son uh, <coughs> uh, at that time. And so uh, beginning of the prophecies of these things. I also think it's kind of interesting to maybe pause and think about it for just a minute. Uh, if we turned over uh, uh, to the... Uh, uh, to the 66th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to go there. I think there's a place in Psalms that I could go as well. But I'm going to turn over to the uh, uh, something that I was thinking about as I was studying on this a little bit and something I'd, I'd really not thought about in, <coughs> in times past. But it says in, verse, in the 66th chapter of the book of Isaiah, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where, where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? Now, this is not the only time uh, that the, uh, the earth is spoken of as the footstool of the Lord. Uh, and it made me think that if, uh, if God, if Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, is going to come, and he's going to bruise the head... <coughs> of this serpent. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. We've got all these medical folks in the house this morning, you know, that thinking about this. Uh, you know, if you get your head bruised, it's pretty bad condition. It can be fatal to you because you can get such a concussion from a bruise uh, uh, that eventually it could lead to all, other, all kinds of other things. But, you know, generally a bruised heel won't hurt you too bad. <coughs> Although I will say, and for people today that didn't grow up in the country running barefoot on rock on gravel roads, a, a brew a, a stone bruise on your heel can be very painful. Okay, uh, but uh, it won't kill you. Uh, but a bruise uh, to the head could be fatal somewhere along the way. And so uh, it's interesting the Bible terminology that's used here, uh, and it's also interesting when we think about Satan is often described as the prince of the power of the air, uh, talking about one that lives here on earth. He, the Bible says over in the uh, book of Peter uh, uh, that uh, he walks to and fro in the earth seeking whom he may devour. <clears throat> and the Bible turns around and describes the earth as being his footstool. Talking about God's footstool. His feet are resting on the place that Satan walks about seeking whom he may devour. And it's his heel that's going to be bruised. I just think, you know, little things like that sometimes are fascinating sometimes to see something like that in the Scripture and read about that. But here in Genesis, we have one of the very first prophecies of the fact that, uh, that Jesus Christ was going to, going to come. And we need to remember as we think about uh, words like this, uh, we could go over and find in the, uh, the book of Psalms, 33rd chapter of the book of Psalms, and about verse 9 you'll find over there. And, uh, and this is, you know, paraphrased a lot of times, and you'll hear it paraphrased this way, uh, something along the lines, he speaks and it's done, he commands and it stands fast. Well, that's not exactly the, the wording there. It says, for he spake and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. Well, uh, in other words, when God speaks, it happens. Uh, when he said, let there be light, there was light. When he said, let, the, let, the, uh, let all the animals and the plants be created and so forth, all of these things happened because his word went forth. And we know according to John chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is that word uh, and that that word went forth. We also know according to Colossians chapter 1 uh, that he is the creator. Christ is the creator, the one that created all things. So God spoke, his word went forth, and the Bible tells us here in Psalm 30, 
33, he speaks and it's done, or he spake and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. So when God speaks, things happen. And when he prophesied over the book of Genesis, even though it was a 4,000 years from the time he spake those words to the to that little gathering he had there in the garden as he laced them down that morning. Uh, as he spoke to them that day and addressed their, their sins and the things that they had done and told them what was going to happen, 4,000 years passed by and people began to doubt. People began to wonder. People began to think all kinds, and it didn't matter. You know, we could also look, and I, I'm not, I wasn't really planning on going and exploring all of this this morning as part of this, uh, part of this uh, portion of the sermon, but you could turn over to Daniel chapter 2, and we'll find in Daniel chapter 2 uh, that some, uh, if, if this happened in about, say, 4,000 B.C., then Daniel occurred in about 500 B.C., in uh, uh, 500 to, to the late 400 B.C. time frame, and we find there Daniel prophesied uh, uh, that it was going to come to pass and we begin in chapter 2 chapter 2 in verse 44 is where he tells us uh, that in the in the days of the kings and he gives four kingdoms that are laid out there that were going to follow after Nebuchadnezzar's including Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and four kingdoms that were going to follow finally uh, ending with the Roman Empire and that during the time of the Roman Empire, and I know it doesn't say Roman Empire, but anyway, y'all just stay with me. Uh, during the time of that king kingdom that uh, God was going to establish his kingdom here upon the earth during that time. He also tells us in the ninth chapter of the same book of Daniel uh, uh, that uh, 70 weeks of years had been prophesied from the time that the commandment went forth uh, uh, that Jerusalem uh, and the temple was to be rebuilt. Uh, from the time of that, 70 weeks of years were going to pass by and at that time, Messiah was going to come. Uh, and so if they had been keeping up with all of this stuff, all of these prophecies uh, and remembering each one of these prophecies, they would have been looking for the day and the hour even though 4,000 years had passed by from that original prophecy God gave them and I think that's kind of the interesting thing as we look at this at the prophecies this morning he gave that general prophecy if you want to call it back in Genesis chapter 3 kind of vague in a way you know uh, there'll be a woman uh, and she's going to the seed of the woman and uh, I put enmity between the woman and between the serpent but the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to bruise uh, uh, your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Seems kind of vague, kind of, kind of far off. But if we turn a little bit further over in this same book, God continues just to give us light and give us light. And I'll tell you, today, as we study God's Word, uh, I think we find the more we study, the more light we get. Uh, and the more we understand the prophecies and the things that were spoken. Now, we turn over to Genesis chapter 12, and we find... Uh, now, the time frame, about 2,000 years has passed since the time of the garden. And a fellow by the name of Abram comes along. And he says, the Lord said, uh, the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. <coughs> And in thee uh, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In all, in, in Abraham. Uh, so he's beginning to tell us that Abraham and his family are going to be special in the fact that in Abraham, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. He's not just... <coughs> 
He's not just saying, well, Abraham, all your families are going to have a lot of gold and they're going to have a lot of land and they're going to have a, a lot of property. He's beginning to tell Abraham that, Abraham, there's going to be a child come forth from your family that's going to be a blessing to all those that are on the face of the earth. Uh, uh, we go on and we pass uh, another uh, uh, few hundred years down from the time of Abraham. After Abraham was told the prophecy and told that, uh, uh, that he was going to have, you know, we could go a little further in this same book of Genesis and we find uh, where not only Abraham was told that, but Abraham was told to look at the stars of the sky. And he went out into the field and he looked at he says, Abraham, like the stars of the sky, so shall thy seed be. Uh, and we turn over into the book of uh, Romans and we look at Romans uh, and uh, he tells us there uh, in the book of Romans uh, when he's talking about Abraham, uh, you remember one of the places uh, uh, that we've explored in recent weeks in the, ten, in the ninth chapter of the book of Abraham uh, in Romans, uh, it tells us about Abraham there and in that ninth chapter it says, <clears throat> the, uh, the, talking about the children of Israel, and I'm going to turn over and read that because it does tie to this, believe it or not, uh, <clears throat> in, the, uh, in the ninth chapter of the book of Romans that we've been studying. I thought I could just about quote it, and I probably could have just about quoted it, but anyway, <clears throat> he, says, he says this. <clears throat> not as though the word, verse 6 of Romans 9, he says, not as though the word of God has taken none effect. Now, he's trying to assure uh, these people here at Rome that he has not forsaken his people uh, there, uh, that, uh, talking about his Jewish brethren. Uh, and he, he goes on and he says he, he could wish that he was accursed for his kinmen's sake, uh, that they might know the things that he knows. He says, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And then he says this, Neither because they are the seed of the Abraham, Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall, shall thy seed be called, that is, they which are the children of, of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for seed. There's another place where it talks about uh, that the children, the true children of Abraham, as described about, I think, about being Israelites, are children of faith. <clears throat> Because Abraham had faith, uh, uh, and that's what caused him to follow after God, uh, was the faith that he had. And he talks about those that are children of faith also are children of Abraham, right? So that makes uh, Abraham, in a sense, the father of both Jews and Gentiles, which Abraham was a Gentile anyway, but that's another story. Uh, you know, that, uh, that he is the father of the faithful, and talks about the fact that those who have faith are really and truly, in a sense, his children. Okay, so uh, uh, we turn over and we think about God tells us here in Genesis chapter 12, and this is some 2,000 years now before the time of the birth of Christ, he tells us that in Abraham, all the children of the, <coughs> of the earth are going to be blessed. Okay, so let's turn over uh, to Genesis chapter 49. We'll just go a little bit further in this same book of Genesis, and we find here uh, Abraham has had Isaac, uh, he, and, he and Sarah have been blessed to have Isaac. Isaac has had uh, his children, <coughs> uh, Jacob and Esau. 
And Jacob and he, and Jacob has had his children, which are the twelve children that became the twelve tribes of the of of uh, of uh, Israel. And uh, now then, they have they have journeyed. Uh, Joseph, who is a son, uh, uh, has journeyed down into Egypt. Uh, and now Jacob and the other brothers have come down there to Egypt. And they've discovered Joseph is still alive, and uh, it's getting up. It's getting close to the time that uh, that uh, that Jacob is going to die, and Jacob calls all of his family together and he begins to tell them about what's going what's going to be the prophecy of each one of those children uh, that are the children of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and now we're going to get to one by the name of Judah which is one of the children of, of Jacob in verse 9 of Genesis 49 he says this Judah is a lion's whelp you've heard uh, You've heard uh, Jesus uh, uh, described over in the book of Genesis as being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, well, he tells us here, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter. Uh, a scepter is, uh, if, you've, uh, if you've studied old history or anything, you know, I've seen maybe pictures of the Queen of England. She would have this little staff that was a little scepter thing with a little, you know, crystal on top or whatever, you know, adorned with a jewel or whatever. A scepter is often the, uh, the, the sign of kingship. And he tells us here, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until, nor the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, which means peace, uh, shall come, uh, and uh, unto him shall be shall the uh, shall the uh, gathering of the people be. So now we have a prophecy here in Genesis chapter 49, uh, uh, which is uh, about 1,700 years before the time of Christ. Again, you think about this in terms of where we are today, 2,000 years since the time that Christ was here on earth. And we, a lot of times we think, well, that's been such a long time. But look at the long time frames that God worked through in his prophecies about the coming of Christ. And you know what? It didn't matter how long it was. If he said it, it came to pass. And so uh, uh, as we look, and I'll not go down through all the uh, uh, the lineage this morning uh, uh, of every uh, prophecy of the coming of Christ, uh, uh, but he's already told us he's going to come in the family of Abraham. He's already told us that he's going to be of uh, the family of Judah, uh, which was uh, which was one of the grandsons, uh, if you will, great-grandsons uh, of Abraham. And he says, the scepter, the sign of the kingship, shall not depart from Judah Till Shiloh comes, uh, and you can go back and follow those those kings. Uh, the first king uh, of the line uh, of the line of Judah was David. Uh, David, a descendant of uh, of the uh, of, of Jesse, a descendant of also of Judah of the uh, tribe of Judah, became the very first king of Israel. And all the kings flowed down through him right up into the very time of the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the the kingdom was split and divided and separated uh, in the north and south, but through Solomon and through Solomon's lineage uh, of David, uh, the kings uh, uh, continued to reign in Israel, uh, even in times where they were taken captive, they still had one that would be designated uh, uh, as their king, and so he tells us here that this scepter, this this authority, this kingship is not going to depart from Judah, uh, from the tribe of Judah, until Shiloh comes, and Shiloh 
is one of the very names of Jesus Christ, the one who is going to come and bring peace uh, uh, to that land and to that country. So again, we've got to, uh, got these prophecies laid out. We turn over to uh, Psalm chapter uh, uh, 132, and we'll get one more scripture here before we turn over into the New Testament and begin to look at some of the fulfilling of these things uh, uh, that we've been talking about here this morning. Uh, <clears throat> again, all of these prophecies down through the years, even through Daniel as it talks about prophesying the very time that he would be coming uh, uh, is foretold in scriptures. Uh, if we turn over to Psalm 132 uh, and turn down to verse 11, it says, The Lord hath sworn in a truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body I will set up, I will set upon thy throne. Here we have in this uh, very seemingly obscure place here uh, in, uh, in, the, in the book of Psalms a prophecy of the fact that God was going to take the fruit of, his, uh, of, the, of David and he was going to set one up on his throne that would reign forever. He comes over now and we turn over, to, uh, uh, turn over to the book of Matthew and we'll turn to chapter 1. And begin to read there, and also we'll be looking at some things that we find over in the book of Luke. Uh, but here in the uh, first chapter of this book of, uh, of Matthew, and Matthew was writing, I guess, in a sense, the Bible, uh, many of those that have looked at this over the years have said uh, Matthew was writing more from a Jewish perspective than, uh, than maybe Luke, uh, and, and particularly John. Uh, but uh, we find here that uh, Matthew starts out his book of the gospel uh, recording the lineage uh, of the Son of God. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. I think you know. I think about this. If you go back and look in the first uh, number of chapters of, of the Bible, and it goes through. Uh, these are the generation uh, of uh, of Noah. These are the generations of the various ones that live. These are the generation of Adam. Uh, and now, how do we start out this book uh, in the New Testament? This is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son. of of Abraham. He starts right out uh, uh, telling us from the very beginning uh, that this one that had been prophesied that was going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth, that was going to be of Abraham, this one that was going to be of Judah, this one that was going to be in uh, another place, and I didn't even turn to that scripture, it talks about him being uh, the root of Jesse, uh, uh, talking about the fact that he was going to come uh, out of this tribe of Judah, and, and not just any, any uh, part of Judah, but of the date of David's lineage, who was the very first king uh, of Israel. And he begins here and says, This book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let's turn over now to Luke uh, chapter 1. <clears throat> and we'll begin to see some things that, uh, that Brother Luke laid out for us uh, uh, here in Scripture, beginning with verse 26. And in the sixth month, and by the way, if you want to go back and see what the sixth month was, go back and read the first uh, 25 verses of this book of Luke. It's in the sixth month of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, Elizabeth, who was, a, who was uh, Mary's cousin, uh, had been barren for many years, and she had reached an old age and was a barren woman, and God blessed her to have a child. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? We go back over and talk, it talks about, again, in the book of Isaiah, that there would be a forerunner that would come before Christ, and he would uh, declare the way of Christ coming. Now, this forerunner was none other than John the Baptist, the son of Elizabeth, uh, the son of the priest, Zechariah, uh, who was here. And it says, in her sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Gal Galilee uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, 
to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Uh, oh, uh, did I skip over that part to, where it talks about that a virgin would conceive and be born? Let's turn over to Isaiah uh, again real quickly, uh, and uh, we'll make sure, again, these prophecies that are, are being foretold of the coming of our Lord. Uh, and we turn to uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, and I believe over in chapter chapter six, 7, if it will, and in verse uh, verse 10 of, of Isaiah chapter 7, it says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or the, in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? Uh, but uh, will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, sh and shall call his name Emmanuel our God with us. Uh, he tells us here, so Isaiah, uh, again, putting times in, uh, putting a prophecy of the coming of Christ in a proper time frame, if you will. Uh, Isaiah was about 700 years before the time of the coming of Christ. You begin to think about, uh, you know, we look back at the founding of the nation, of, of our nation, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe more appropriately in this time of the, uh, in the, with it being 2020, we look back to the year of about 1620, would have been about the time the pilgrims uh, were landing. That's been 400 years ago. And you think about all the things that have changed and all the things that have happened in 400 years, and we're looking at prophecy, prophecies that are recorded in the Scripture that occurred 4,000 years before the coming of Christ, 2,000 years before the... 700 years before the time of Christ, Isaiah was writing down uh, that there was going to be a virgin that, uh, that was going to have a child that was going to conceive and bear a son <coughs> and shall call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. So some 13... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, 3,300 years after the time uh, that God told uh, Adam and Eve and the serpent that there were, that the woman was the seed of the woman was going to uh, bruise the head of the serpent and that the serpent was going to bruise his heel. S suddenly Isaiah comes along and again, remember what we were talking about? He just keeps tuning it down, tuning it down. You know, you think you think about sometimes uh, people today, kids today don't know don't know anything about this, uh, maybe too much. But I remember years ago, uh, you know, all we had was AM and FM radio. You know, we didn't have all these other things out there. And we had these old, big old box radios, and they all had a tuner on them like this. And it, <clears throat> and if you wanted to get, if you wanted to listen to the radio station, you know, sometimes at night, uh, us kids in uh, WLS out of Chicago uh, would beam out, you know, and you could pick it up in Alabama or Mississippi, you know, and because they were a 50,000 watt station. But you know, if you wanted to hear it real good, you had to tune it down real tight. And you just keep, you'd keep, keep tweaking, that, tweaking that knob to get it just right so you would get the maximum amount. Well, you know what? God just keeps tweaking these prophecies. Uh, first, he tells us it's going to be uh, the seed of the woman. Uh, then he tells us uh, uh, that it's going to be Abraham. Then he tells us it's going to be Judah. Then he tells us uh, here in Isaiah that a virgin is going to conceive and bear a child, and she's going to call his name Emmanuel. Well, uh, we could turn over a little bit further uh, in the same book of, uh, of Isaiah in the ninth chapter. Uh, and he says this, uh, uh, verse 6 of Isaiah 9, For unto us 
a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government, I, I struggled with that for years and uh, uh, thinking about this. And the government shall be on. And then I finally had enough courage to look up the word government and found out it meant kingdom. <laughs> the kingdom shall be upon his shoulder and, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace and the increase of his government, his kingdom and peace, there shall be no end. Oh, I tell you, uh, all of these things, fine-tuning, getting it down a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Then Daniel comes along, and Daniel tells us uh, that it's going 70 weeks of years, uh, 490 years are going to pass from the time uh, that uh, the commandment goes out to rebuild uh, Jerusalem uh, and the temple uh, and so forth, uh, and that 490 years will pass till the Messiah, the Prince, is going to come. And now we get here to Luke chapter 1. And it tells us, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Uh, oh, really? He was a, she was a, and you know what? What we find out when we read the lineage that's laid out in the book of Luke, we find out not only was a Joseph of the lineage of David, Mary was of the, of the lineage of David too. So no, no matter how you tried to look at it, can you imagine the accusers in that day? They would have never believed that a woman who was a virgin would have been able to have a child and, uh, and uh, they would have questioned uh, the lineage of this one that came along and was performing all these miracles. But if they look at the lineage of the natural father, and I say natural father, the stepfather, if you want to call it that, uh, if they looked, they would have found out he was the lineage of David. Uh, and lo and behold, those that were real inquiring and went looking, they would have found out Mary was also of the lineage of David. Uh, and it says, The angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. Uh, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women. <clears throat> and, the, and, and I always love, you know, sometimes... I don't know if y'all ever see humor in the scripture. I do, you know, sometimes I th see things in there and I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's kind of funny. And, and it says, when she saw him, she was troubled by his saying. Well, you know, first of all, an angel of the Lord appears to you. That would probably trouble you. Uh, then secondly, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord appears to you and looks at you and says, Blessed art thou, uh, thou art highly favored among women. And you're sitting around looking at your physical circumstances and saying, I'm blessed. Uh, I live in Nazareth and I live in the place that's not all that nice and all that fancy and I'm not of the king's household and you, but you're telling me I'm highly favored uh, and she says uh, when she saw him she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind what manner of salutation this should be and the angel said unto her fear not I'll tell you that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good reminder for us today right even in the circumstances that we're living in. You know, remember, God's got this. <laughs> it's, not, it's not out of his control. Uh, it's not out of his, uh, his abilities. Uh, and he says, uh, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Uh, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father 
David. You say, well, you know what? I never saw Jesus reigning on any throne here on the earth. Well, I tell you, my friends, there's a throne that David had, the greater David, if you will. There's a throne that he had that you and I will see one of these days, but it's not here on this earth. It's a, it's a, it's a kingdom throne. And so he tells us that he's going to reign upon the throne of his father David. David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, <clears throat> and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, uh, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Of God, I'll tell you the life, the life giver. You know, we we think we preach this all the time. We preach we preach John chapter three, and we talk we preach about how the the Spirit moves like the wind, and how those of us that have not been maybe haven't been born of the Spirit, or we go back to trying to imagine in our mind at what time the the uh, the the spiritual birth, the new birth occurred in our lives, and then we read there in John chapter three how the Spirit of God moves like the wind, and it goes to where He sends it, uh, and it uh, and it. Uh, and everyone that's born of the Spirit of God is born of this same way. God's Spirit moves upon them, and they're born again. Uh, and he tells us here that Jesus, uh, that Mary, uh, that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God was going to overshadow her, and in some miraculous way was going to cause her to have a child, uh, and that this child will be called the Son of the Highest, uh, the Son of God. You say, well, how, you know, I'm, I'm almost like Mary in a way. How can this be? But you know what? I would look around here to you today, and I would think about, uh, I'm looking at a group of folks that I, I believe to be born-again children of God. And if I asked you, how can this be? How can it possibly be that the Spirit of God has entered into your hearts and into your mind and caused you to have a new birth and to be born again? You say, how can this be? I don't know. <laughs> I just know what the Word of God tells us, how it came to be. And I believe that, my friends, that I can read this and say, how could it possibly be that the Holy Ghost could overshadow Mary and cause her to have a child? I don't know. But I believe what it says, exactly like it says that it happened, and we know she had a child, and we know that his name was Jesus. And so uh, it, it goes on uh, uh, to tell us here. And, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Verse 35. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For, God, for with God <coughs> nothing <coughs> is impossible. I'll tell you, when we began to realize that with God, all things are possible, my friends, uh, uh, it'll increase your faith. It will strengthen, uh, uh, your strengthen you for the battle uh, along the way and cause you to say, you know what, uh, I don't understand. Uh, it, it was 4,000 years from one prophecy to the time of the coming of Christ. But it came to pass because his word said it was going to come to pass. And you know what? It's been 2,000 years since Christ left this old world. And he said he was going to come back again. And it's been 2,000 years. You know what? But it doesn't matter. 
how long it's been. He said it was going to come to pass, and it's going to come to pass just like he said. Let's turn back over now to Matthew. When I was first thinking about, uh, you know, these prophecies and thinking about preaching this this Sunday morning and uh, thinking about the time of the year that we celebrate, you know, the greatest gift that uh, anyone's ever had, <clears throat> I thought about uh, this, this portion of Scripture came to my mind uh, here in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. So what strange, strange wording. Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Uh, it was in this manner. It was after this manner. This is the manner of, of Christ's birth. When, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together. So if you're wondering, you know, uh, if you were trying to figure out, what's the definition of a virgin? Uh, well, her and Joseph had not yet come together as husband and wife. Uh, and it says before they ever came together, uh, uh, it says uh, uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put Put her away privately. So, uh, dear, after the manner and the custom of that day, she was already engaged to him, espoused to him, promised to him, and now all of a sudden uh, uh, she goes uh, she goes off to visit to, uh, with Elizabeth for a few for a few few weeks, uh, and she comes back and suddenly she's expecting. Uh, and Joseph's mind must have been racing. Uh, this woman that I'm espoused to, that it was promised to me, uh, that was uh, be, to be faithful to me, uh, and and the the uh, Levitical uh, law called uh, uh, that if something like this had happened, she was to be taken out and to be stoned to death. <clears throat> but Joseph didn't want to do that, so he was minded to just say, "You know, let's just let's just handle this real quietly, privately. That's what it means. Just handle it quietly. You know, we'll let her go away somewhere." And while the Bible says, while he was think thinking on these things, while he thought on these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, here's that word again, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Wow. You know, I, I, I've often talked about a lot of times how, you know, when Paul was, when, when Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, was on the road to Damascus, the Lord struck him down there that day and blinded his eyes. And while he was blind, he told him to go on up uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to the preacher's house at, uh, uh, at Damascus. And before Paul ever got to the preacher's house at Damascus, the angel of the Lord appeared to the preacher there and told him, I'm going to send to you one, one by the name of Saul of Tarshish. And, uh, and the preacher had heard of him and was much afraid to think about that this man was going to be sent to his house. But the point being, God didn't do the work without working on both ends of the line. You know what? He let Paul know what he wanted to do. He let the preacher know what he was going to do. Paul shows up down there. The scales fell from his eyes. He was baptized, and he began to go out and preach the, the things of the Word of God. And so here, uh, he appears to Mary and tells Mary what's going on. Uh, and Mary's surprised and doesn't understand how this is going to be. But the angel of the Lord looks at her and says, Fear not. 
that which is conceived in thee is of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's of God. It's a God thing today, they would say. It's a, it's a God thing. God's working in this matter. And while Joseph, uh, her spouse, husband's thinking about what's he going to do, he's just found out the one he's uh, engaged to is pregnant. And you know what he knows? He knows it's not his child. And so his mind is racing and wandering. And while he's thinking about what he should do, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Don't fear. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary to be your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring, she shall bring forth a son. I want you to hear this. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I'll tell you, it's not like, well, he would like to do it. He's going to make it possible for them to be saved if they will just confess and believe and accept. No, he says, he shall save his people from their sins. And we know who his people are because it's everyone that the Father gave to the Son to die for without the loss of a single one. And so, you know why we call him Savior? Because he saves. That's why we call him Savior. That's why he was called a Savior, my friends. He was born a Savior. He lived a Savior. He died a Savior. He was raised a Savior. And he's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God today as a Savior. Not a wannabe Savior, but a Savior. One who actually saved his people from their sins. So he tells us all of this and says, Behold, listen to this. Thou shalt bring, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from, this, from their sins. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So right here in Matthew, we find a, a recording. He says, All of this was done, so that what I told you was going to happen 700 and something years ago in Isaiah was fulfilled right here, is being fulfilled right here today in this man, Jesus Christ, in Mary the Virgin, and in you, Joseph, you're a part of this too, uh, that it's going to be fulfilled so that all these things, and Joseph then being raised from a sleep as, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and he knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you, just like it's been telling us it was going to happen, it came to pass all those years ago. Now then, let's turn over. Uh, uh, and because we've kind of skipped around part of the story, we're kind of to part of it and then not to another. Let's turn back in the Old Testament Scripture of uh, uh, the book of Micah. Uh, and he tells us over here in the book of Micah, and I'll have to, you know how I am thumbing through sometimes these little, these Old Testament prophets, I'll just have to kind of thumb through and uh, oh, Micah will just up, behold up and pop up. There it is. Uh, it says uh, Micah uh, in, in verse uh, chapter 5, and let's read here what he says. Uh, we'll go to verse 2, but we'll start with verse, verse 1. Now gathering thyself in troops, O daughter of troops, he hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with the rod upon his cheek. Now that's a prophecy of what they're going to do at the death of Christ, that they're going to smite the judge on the cheek. And they did that uh, at the time that he was at the cross. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me 
That is to be the ruler of Israel whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. So here he tells us in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 the very place where Jesus is going to come forth from. And I thought about this. You know, uh, some of y'all have maybe heard me preach from the book of Ruth. Uh, you know, Ruth uh, uh, and her and her mother-in-law uh, uh, her mother-in-law in particular, uh, uh, they had lived in, uh, in, uh, in Bethlehem. And the Bible tells us that they left Bethlehem because of a famine, and they went and lived over in uh, in Judea, another part, uh, and uh, really over across the River Jordan, over in that land at that time. They left there because there was no no bread. There was a famine in the land of Judah at that time. Well, it's kind of interesting. At least maybe I think it's interesting. There's a, you know, the things that pique my interest. You know, I hope pique yours a little bit too. Uh, but he tells us Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. So Ruth in her day, Ruth's mother-in-law, uh, Orpah, by the way, not Oprah. Uh, uh, that's how Oprah's name was misspelled to become Oprah was they were naming her after Orpah. But anyway, uh, so uh, it tells us uh, that uh, she had left Bethlehem because there was a famine. There was no bread in Bethlehem, which was the name uh, means house of bread. Now then, Micah chapter uh, 5 verse 2 tells us Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And what did Jesus say about himself? I am the bread of life. Oh, me. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Oh, oh I'll tell you, little things like that uh, just stir me up a little bit. But we turn over to uh, Luke again now, uh, having seen the prophecy that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Well, how, the, uh, they live in Nazareth. How in the world is, is Jesus going to be born in Bethlehem when Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth, how is that going to come to pass? You know, things are not uh, things are possible with God. <laughs> you know, uh, God's God's working all the time. He's working uh, uh, things according to His pleasure. He works His will. Uh, uh, Daniel says He works His will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him. What doest thou? And so we turn over here into the book of Luke, uh, and it says this, uh, uh, beginning with uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, It came to pass in those days uh, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Uh, uh, he was the Roman king, uh, and uh, uh, the Roman king says, uh, uh, There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I, I like, uh, for those of you that are, are, are have been around here some uh, over the years, uh, we used to have Elder Sonny Piles come in and heard him preach on this one time. There's a lot of things that the Bible tells us. Uh, the word world can mean a lot of different things. And the word world uh, is translated from more than one Greek word in the uh, New Testament Scriptures. But anyway, I think it's at least interesting for us to pause for a minute here and, and make note of the fact that uh, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. <clears throat> Did it mean that uh, all the Chinese and the American Indians and all those were going to be taxed by uh, Rome? Uh, no, uh, but it didn't mean that all the Roman world was going to be taxed. Uh, so the world, the word world can be very specific, uh, if you will, sometimes. Okay, and he says, and then this taxing was the first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all, and all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. 
Now, he gives us enough detail here that we could go back and look and see exactly which year the taxing took place, okay? It was the year that Cyrenius uh, was governor in Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Joseph went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, the city of David, uh, which is called... Bethlehem. He went back to the home of the tribe of Judah, the city of David, because he was the tr of the tribe of David. He went back to his own city there to pay his tax because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. I was reading about this and I thought, you know, uh, you think about she was great with child uh, and you think, well, why didn't, why didn't Joseph just leave her, you know, leave her in uh, Nazareth? You know, why did he carry her? Uh, and, and to be honest, I don't know the answer. I, for sure. But you know, maybe uh, there was enough scandal going around about whose child this was and so forth. Maybe Joseph didn't feel comfortable leaving uh, the neighbors to be watching out for Mary, his wife. And so even though she was great with child, he loads her up on, no, no doubt, a cart or a wagon or a donkey or whatever they had at the time. That's what the, all the movies say, right? It had to be a donkey. Anyway, he loads her up on whatever they could find at that time. Maybe she walked. You know, we don't know, right? I don't know. Uh, how, how they got there. I know this, uh, uh, some of you ladies that have had children, uh, just before the time the children are due, uh, do, uh, they get you in the hospital and you're great with child in that night month uh, and it's a, the child is about ready to come. And you know what they tell you to do? Get up and walk around. Get up, get up and walk. Walk. It'll, it'll help kind of bring, bring things along. She walked from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, you get a map out sometime, uh, check it out. Okay, uh, it's probably a good 50 miles. Uh, if it's not, uh, and I haven't measured it, but I'm going to guess, okay? Bethlehem is just outside of Jerusalem. Nazareth is all the way up in the northern part of the country, and it's, uh, and it's not all level ground between the two, okay? And so uh, she walked all that distance, and when she gets there, there's no place for them in the end, okay? So it says, uh, and uh, they went to be taxed, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished uh, that she should be delivered. Uh, yes, she just walked 50 miles while she's nine months pregnant, uh, and suddenly the baby's coming, okay? Uh, uh, great surprise. Uh, and she was brought forth, and she brought forth uh, her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Uh, and because there was no room for them in the end, they didn't even find a room. You know what? That's a, and I know y'all have heard this said before, but isn't that true today? Sometimes there's just not enough room for Jesus in our lives. We we kind of we kind of make room for him out in the barnyard somewhere, you know, uh, and the things that are left over. We'll find we'll time time for Jesus on Sunday morning for an hour, <clears throat> but that's all the room we got for him. Okay, and the rest of the week we're busy, uh, you know. And and so when Jesus came into this old world, the world wasn't the world wasn't open arms greeting him. Oh, this is Mary and Joseph. <laughs> we better get the best room for them. No, Jesus came into this world in a very common way, a very quiet way, born in a stable, laid in a manger, which is a feed trough. If you don't know what, what a manger is, it was a feed trough for feeding it. And they wrapped him up in, uh, in just a cloth 
that they had there at the time, swaddling clothes, wrapped him up in a cloth and put him there. And it says, uh, and it was there. Uh, it was there in the same country. Oh, I tell you, he may have, he may have come into this world in humble way some 2,000 years ago, but I want you to he- listen to this birth announcement. Y'all ever said that birth announcements? You just couldn't wait to send out the cards and the letters and so forth and say, we had a child, we had a little boy, we had a little girl, we had a beautiful young baby and it was so many inches long and it was so many pounds and it was born on this date. We were all just so excited and here's a picture for you. To, you know, Well, you know, back in those days they didn't have the cards and letters and all that kind of stuff. But God didn't, he may, and he may have come in in a stable and he may have been laid in a manger. God didn't let his son come in unannounced. And there was in that country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. Have you noticed how all these, when the angels show up, everybody gets scared? Hey. Me too, right? If, if, if one appears here today, I'm probably shaking. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, but they, they're out there in the field. You've got to remember, okay? You've got to remember, it wasn't like it is today. They didn't have a street light on every corner. It was dark. It might have been, uh, uh, you know, the stars might have been out and so forth. Uh, but, uh, but it was dark out there, and they were trying to keep a watch on the flock, and suddenly the angels of the Lord appear there, and, and it says, Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Suddenly there was light everywhere, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, What? Fear not. <laughs> he had to keep telling everybody that. Fear not, uh, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He was born a Savior, and He is Christ our Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly with the, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward man. I'll tell you, that's a birth announcement right there. And I'll tell you, they came and they found him lying there. You know, and and I love all of our little, uh, you know, things that we have that show, you know, the birth of Christ. And usually they'll show the wise men with their treasures around. That probably occurred about six weeks later. And you say, how do I know that? Uh, well, they came to the house where Jesus was, uh, for one thing, uh, and that would have put them back in Nazareth. Uh, and I know that it took, from the time uh, uh, that, uh, that Mary had the child, uh, they had six weeks to present the child to, uh, uh, to the, in the temple and so forth, and to go make, make him there and to, you know, to have him circumcised, all the things that had to be done after that, usually on the eighth day for the circumcision and so forth. But then six, uh, six weeks to get him presented and all of that too. And so then they travel back home and the wise men show up. You know, isn't it interesting? You go and read this, and I'll, I'll close out with this. You know, Herod was so interested in finding out. You know, people had a way, even though... People, Herod calls his people in and says, hey, where's Jesus supposed to be born? You know, where's this king of the Jews supposed to be born? They said, oh, the scriptures say Bethlehem. He says, okay, go see if you can find him. 
Well, they searched, they searched, they didn't find him. Why? He wasn't in Bethlehem. He'd gone back home to Nazareth. Uh, and the wise men show up. Uh, men from the east uh, come looking for them. Uh, and, uh, and they go and they find him. And what do they bring? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Something of value. You know what happened right after they left? The angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph again and says, Hey, you need to get out of here and go down to Egypt. Joseph and Mary didn't have the money to be taking a trip to Egypt. But who just showed up? Wise men with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Lord, the Lord made a way for them to get to Egypt, even though they didn't have a way to get there. And I'll tell you, God will make a way for me and you in our times of troubles and trials today. Let's not lose our faith in this one that came years ago. He was prophesied for 4,000 years, and he came. And I'll tell you, he's coming back again, just like he said. May God bless you uh, as we celebrate this time of the year, the greatest gift uh, that's ever been given uh, in mankind history was given some 2,000 years ago. And we're still enjoying the fruits of that gift. And not only are we enjoying it now, we're going to enjoy it in all eternity as well. May God bless you in this, uh, in this coming week.